Today we're starting kind of a, a new chapter, so to speak, of the of RCIA, which is ironic because it's the last class for for the semester. Whoops, should have scheduled that better. Um, but uh, we'll we'll be talking about sacraments for a little bit um, here, and then uh, we'll we'll move into some other stuff um, after after the break. But um, today is kind of an, of an intro to uh, these things called sacraments, which um, when we say sacraments, uh, we we as Catholics, like, these are the, these are kind of bread and butter of, uh, of like, how we encounter Christ. This is what a Catholic believes, that the sacraments, if you get nothing else from today, are encounters with the mystical body of Christ, right? They're encounters with him. And uh, when, every, and you guys have looked in the Bible already, whenever Jesus encounters someone and heals them, he does something, right? He does there's like a, a bodily encounter with this person, and that's the cause of their um, their salvation, right? That's the cause of their healing. That's the cause of their coming to faith or, or something like that. So um, I'm going to give like a brief overview. Actually, I'm going to spend more time just talking about sacraments in general. So it's going to be about 20 minutes here. And then I'm going to talk about baptism and confirmation. And then when we get back in the in the spring... Uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time, the first, two, uh, the first two lessons when we get back, talking about this a little bit more deeply, and then we'll hit Eucharist and the liturgy and some other stuff like that as we continue throughout the semester. Um, I know some of the UCC students won't be able to be here today, nor the first couple classes, so we're going to record those, but we're going to try and kind of make sure that uh, we hit the really, really important stuff, uh, you know, like when people can be here and that kind of thing. So um, I thank you to any UCC folks who could, could make it today. Um, I know it's a sacrifice, especially if you got done with finals already and you're still here. Um, okay, so what is a sacrament? A sacrament. A sacrament is uh, a sign of the sacred, all right? That's kind of the general thing. Um, if you wanted to put it in a, in a genus, it would be a sign, right? And it's a specific type of sign. It's a sign which affects which it, that which it signifies, right? It causes that which it points to. So if you think about a stop sign, what does a stop sign do? Tell me. What does a stop sign do? Huh? Okay, good. Uh, let's take it up the chain of being now. What does it do? Good. I like... Okay. It, okay, so it causes something, right? A sign... This, the, but... Um, so in, in a similar way, the sacraments cause things, but not the same way. Because um, how many of you, uh, I, I remember I did this a couple of times, how many of you have run a stop sign? Good, yeah. It, whether accidentally or intentionally, I didn't say either way. Um, we've, we've all been there. Uh, you know, I remember the first time I did that as a 16-year-old, and I was like, oh, I accidentally ran that stop sign. Glad there, it's uh, late at night right now, and there's no cops around, and there was no one else, and everything was okay. But um, I, know, I know Victor uh, loves to run stop signs. So uh, anyway, um, Especially when we're running. Anyway, Victor and I go running sometimes. Good. So um, a, a sacrament is like a stop sign in the, in the sense that it causes that which it signifies. But it's unlike a, sac a stop sign in the sense that um, it works of the work worked. Right? Like the sign, if the sign is done, then the sacrament is affected. Right? It, it actually does cause that thing. Now, we're going to get to uh, what it causes in just a second. Um, but uh, that's, that's super important to remember, right? The sacraments are not things that we earn, right? They're not things that were, were like our graduations. Uh, they're not um, 
you know, just simply religious rites or something like that. They actually are encounters with the Lord. So uh, to kind of return to my notes here, <laughs> uh, if you wanted to have two definitions right, of sacrament, which is the type of sign, um, it would be a visible sign of an invisible reality. We might expand that just a little bit and say a sensible sign of a uh, invisible reality, right? Because in confession, there's no, there, it's possible that there would be no visible sign, right? But there could be an audible sign. Could be a, um, in, 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 um, in marriage, it's an audible sign and a, a visible sign um, of an invisible reality. So that's the first kind of gener- more general definition. And then let me give you what the catechism says about uh, a sacrament. This is kind of a, uh, if you want to remember what we're going to talk about today, this is a useful, like, hermeneutic, or what's the right word, where you can just like, if you remember this line, huh? Heuristic. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there we go, heuristic. So you, if you just remember this sentence, you'll probably remember the rest of what I'm going to talk about because I'm going to just fill in this sentence with, with flesh. It's like a skeleton that you can put the flesh on, right? Um, so an efficacious sign of grace instituted by Christ and entrusted to the church by which divine life is dif- dispensed to us through the work of the Holy Spirit, right? So let me say that one more time. An efficacious sign of grace instituted by Christ and entrusted to the church by which divine life is dispensed to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's uh, go through that then. Efficacious, right? An efficacious sign. Um, This is what we were just saying. The sacraments actually cause something to happen. They confer the grace that they signify. Um, For example, baptism symbolizes being uh, sin being washed away, right? You take water, you pour it over something, it cleans it, right? It symbolizes that, but it not only symbolizes it, it actually causes sin to be wiped away, right? Does that make sense? All right, good. Um, and uh, in Catholic, go ahead. Yeah, go. When you said like the water of baptism part of the mechanism through which God bestows that grace, like he actually uses the waters to bestow that grace? Yes, but he doesn't just use the water, right? Like right. it has to be, uh, the wa- it's not like you touch the water and suddenly you're baptized, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's under the specific action, right? So that we're, about to, we're about to talk about this, the sign part of this, the form and the matter. It's a great question, yeah. Um, they work by the very fact of the action being performed, right? So if you intend to do what the church intends to do when she baptizes and you take water and you pour it over someone who's unbaptized head, and I'm talking about anybody here who does this, you actually baptize them, right? Like, You pour it over their head and say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. They are actually baptized, right? So, um, uh, yes, okay, all right, yes, we can get into the weeds. They have to at least uh, present no obstacle to it. So that's what the the sacramental theologians tell us, right? So, like, if you're like, uh, let me, I'm just joking, like, I don't even care, uh, and, and, uh, like, I'm just, like, going in this just for funsies, right? Like, not for... Like, that would be a doubtful baptism at best. Very doubtful, right? So um, you couldn't... So, for example, uh, the church... To, to answer that question a little bit more fully, Jordan, um, let's say someone, uh, you know, God forbid, is on their deathbed, and um, they, they, like, have never been baptized, right? But uh, they, they express a will to be baptized, and they fall unconscious, right? Well, they can't agree to receiving baptism once they're unconscious, right? But they intended to receive baptism, right? Their, their will is not opposed to receiving this gift. Whereas if someone said on their deathbed, no, I, 
Like, I absolutely do not want baptism. And then I went and tried to baptize them. Then that's certainly doubtful, almost certainly invalid. Yeah. Um, We're going, baby. (laughs) That that scenario you just said, how long could they be unconscious and that, like, pre-conscious? Yeah, that's, yeah. So it's it's not a matter of time. It's a matter of, is your will set against this, right? Yeah. So you, you don't change. If you're unconscious, by definition, you're not changing your will. No, they can't. Question, no, no, no. They, they, like that, by definition, the, the definition in Catholic moral theology of being unconscious, I don't know about medicine, is you, <laughs> like, is you, you, yeah, you, you lack the, the habitual use of reason. You, you cannot make a decision uh, while you're unconscious. It's actually the same thing like with an infant. They can't make a decision. But their will is not opposed. Like they also can't set their will oppo- opposite uh, receiving the grace of God, right? Because they can't choose something. Thus, just like we teach them all these things before they can choose something, so also we give them the best gift that we can possibly give before they can choose in accord with their, their, their dignity as a human person, right? Even though they can't choose yet. Now, you guys are different. If you're getting baptized, you're an adult, right? So you have to actually, like the church says, that for adults, you have to choose this. It would be wrong of me if you told me I don't want to be baptized. It would be wrong of me to baptize you, right? So that's, there's a little bit of a difference, but it, it's, it's coherent. It, goes, it, it makes sense. Lewis, Lewis. I have a, uh, I have a close friend yep. who her experience was around the age of 10, maybe 11, yep. when she was baptized, uh, mm-hmm. and she felt that she was forced by her parents yeah. to get baptized. There's a great weeds question. Yeah. Um, uh, so... Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's not a matter of being ready. It's a matter of saying, I, I like, I'm setting my, like, an obstacle to this. Like, I do not want this. Right. I don't. I, I like that kind of thing. She didn't, she didn't oppose to it. She didn't, yeah. She, then she. Really I would argue yeah. she's baptized. But um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Um, good. Okay. So let's go back to uh, what was it, what's your name again? I'm sorry for forgetting. Gabe's question. Okay, so um, it's not you touch the water and you're immediately baptized or something right. like that. Um, there's a sign, right, which is it's, it's an action. It's not just like the, the, the element itself. Um, so the sign is made up of two things, uh, matter and form, right? So matter is the stuff, water, oil, uh, laying on of hands, uh, a, a man and a woman, right? Like that's the matter. Um, the form is the words said, right? So, which specifies the, 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 the action more clearly, right? The action is uh, already by nature, con- it's kind of like pointing in the direction of the sacramental reality. I'm going to get to your question in one second. Um, but it, so like water already washes, water already is a sign of new life, water is already a sign of actually death as well, right? Like you're out in a raft in, in the middle of the ocean, you're going to die, um, right? Uh, but the form, which is the words specifies what we're doing, right? I baptize you, um, right? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us thus using our own language, right? The condescension of God. He comes down and he speaks to us. Just as Jesus Christ spoke to us, spoke to the people, right? So also he speaks to us. Amen. Um, I kind of want to go back to the scenario of like the man on his deathbed mm-hmm. expressing um, the desire to be baptized. <clears throat> Um, the 
change it a little bit. So the, <laughs> I love it. Uh, Catholic Church's view on um, like that same desire, but then like somebody is murdered, like victims mm-hmm. of like domestic abuse mm-hmm. or things like that, where there is no opportunity for water. Oh, so they died before they could actually be baptized. Yeah. So that would be um, the church. There's there's uh, a long tradition of what's called baptism by desire. Right. So you desire baptism. And if someone were to come to you and say, do you want to be baptized? Like, yes, you're doing everything you could possibly do to be baptized. You're I mean, right, like within moral and and psychological impossibility, no one is expected to do that, which is impossible. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, without like and that does not. Right. It's so important that we think we 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 recognize this. Um, That does not mean that we can like negate the importance of baptism. Right. At all. No, you're already you're already choosing that, and in fact, the church kind of codifies this in her uh, treatment of catechumens. So we have catechumens here right now. If if God forbid you were to die tomorrow, right, I would give you a funeral in the church, right? Like you would have a a, a funeral, and we would pray for you, um, not exactly the same way as if you were baptized, but with the baptism of like there's a specific rite for the funeral of one who dies um, as a catechumen, right? Because of, uh, because of that, right? I think that's, I, I, I want to make sure that I don't tell you an untruth here. I don't know if it's exactly a specific right or if you just use the, the, the right for one who um, desires, I, I, to desires to be, I can't remember if in the, in the book, thank God I haven't had to do that yet. Um, <laughs> um, yes? Does the church have an age of consent? Good, yeah. Um, the age of reason. So that, that's a that's like a, a theological term that means um, you. So more or less, it's the point where you can choose. You can you can like make a decision, knowing that there's like a good thing and a bad thing, right? And I want to do the good and I want to avoid evil, right? It's about six or seven years old usually, right? Kids sort of younger can sort of get that. Once you're past that age, like it's pretty pretty clear, right? Even even if you're you've been uh, you know, even if you don't get it right all the time, if you don't use that, you have the ability to choose things, more or less. Jordan. Um, which, which sacraments are from other, from non-Catholic people are acknowledged by the Catholic Church and why? So, for example, I know baptism Good. is acknowledged, but obviously confirmation wouldn't yeah. be, right? Uh, depend, yeah. So, well, this, is, this, uh, this is a great question. Um, baptism is certainly acknowledged because um, in all, in, well, in almost every situation where a Trinitarian form is used, right? I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, um, right? Then it's, it's valid, right? So you, you just have to go back. Um, you would have to go back to the, 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 those three things, right? Form, matter, intention. So we talked about the matter, water, the form, the words, and then the intention is to do what the, the, the minimum intention is. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be explicit, right? Like it's to do what the church does, right? Like you don't... When, when she baptizes, right? So um, basically baptism is the one that's like the most open. The other ones are questionable based on a lot of different factors So um, that I would love to talk about, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to here. If I, well, I'm going to – it's a quick – it's just – it's too complicated of a question to answer like all of the stuff right now, right? So like, for example, the Eastern Church, their confirmation might is usually valid because – they have apostolic succession. They have the Eucharist, but they, you know, th- there's other things. So um, we can talk about that. Okay. John. Uh, when an infant is 
baptized in a Catholic family, what age do they start to get confirmed and receive communion? Okay. Um, usually communion, so the, the pastoral practice in the United States is usually receive first communion around the age of reason, so about seven years old. And usually you're confirmed somewhere between like 12 and 16, um, something like that. Um, it, you, there's nothing that says you couldn't be confirmed earlier if you asked, actually. But um, anyway, so good questions. Excellent questions. Um, and I'm so glad we have extra we have a little extra time in the in the calendar now because we're gonna we're just gonna get through the sacraments in general and then we'll talk about baptism confirmation later um, and that'll be good. Okay, um, okay. So uh, sacraments are, are are not just symbols. Then they're an actual encounter with Jesus Christ um, through these instruments of the uh, like of of stuff, right? The stuff of the world and through a minister and through um, an intention. Um, they're not empty signs and rituals. Um, concrete moments in which we encounter Christ. So grace descends upon us. We're going to get to that in, in just a second. Um, and we're consecrated in some way, right? There's some consecration that happens in every sacrament. Um, think about in the Eucharist. Um, you guys have all been to Mass. And at, at some point, the, the priest goes like this over the, the bread and the wine. Something like, be pleased, O God, to bless, approve, and acknowledge this offering. In every respect, make it spiritual and acceptable that it may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so this is the, the epiclesis is what that's called. The epiclesis is the calling down of the Spirit upon the bread and the wine um, in order to, because it's by the Spirit that the bread and the wine is transformed into the body and blood of Christ. So the same thing, right? We call that the, the consecration, right? At the moment of, of when, the, when the priest holds up the, Host and says, this is my body, right? It's called the consecration. And in every sacrament, there's a consecration that takes place. It's most evident in the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, holy orders, and the Eucharist. But in every sacrament, there's a, a certain consecration that takes place. Okay, so if we go back to our definition, let's, uh, we can try and say it together if you remember. An efficacious sign of grace instituted by Christ and entrusted to the church by which divine life is dispensed to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. So we've done efficacious sign of grace, okay, instituted by Christ. This is something you guys have already looked at today, right? Because you've been looking in the Bible, you've been looking at um, how these different biblical scenes have been depicted in art. Um, you just look through the, um, you look through the Bible and you see that Christ uses stuff to affect uh, the giving of grace, the healing of people, um, throughout um, throughout the, 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 the Gospels. And then, very importantly, the apostles do the same thing, right? They, they continue doing that which he did uh, over and over and over again. Um, so you see how the apostles um, were sent out by Christ, and they do that. Um, they lay hands on people. They drive out demons. They, um, you know, all, all those kind of things. Um, okay. So Jesus is present in the sacraments by his power in such a way that when someone baptizes, it is Jesus himself, Jesus himself baptizes, right? So like this, there's a, an efficacy there. This is what we say, right? That Christ himself is present in the sacraments. Um, all right, entrusted to the church. Entrusted to the church. Uh, the mission of the church, right? is do this 
in memory of me. Go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. So like you could, it's almost the same. It's different, right? Like those two things are at different points in the gospel, but it's like, do what I did in memory of me and uh, go and make disciples, right? Like Jesus does these things. And um, it's not like he, um, you know, did it in the exact same way, but it's so continuous. Yes, Um, Gabe. Good, yeah. Um, So there's obvious ones, right? Uh, Baptism, the baptism of Christ, um, the the confirmation. um, Christ is, is, he, he tells them, like, wait, for the coming of the Holy Spirit, um, uh, anointing of the sick. I mean, like it's all over the place. He's like, he's like smearing mud on people's eyes and you know, spitting in their spitting. He touches his tongue. That line always, yeah, it's like, what, what is going on there? You think about that image. Um, but hey, you know, he's God. Um, so uh, uh, holy orders, uh, we always we look to the, um, to the Last Supper, right? It's actually the, the mandatum comes from that. Um, I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. And that, of course, is, is, is given to everybody. But it's like as Christ is washing their feet. So, so I, your Lord and Master, have done for you. So also you must do for others, right? Um, the, that's kind of the, where the church has always seen the, the priesthood. And then you see that followed up in the Acts of the Apostles, right? Um, the, the apostles like lay hands on, on the, the deacons and they lay hands on um, presbyters, right? And, and this kind of thing. So yeah, you can find scriptural, uh, certainly scriptural warrant for every all of the sacraments. Though there may not be an explicit like, this is, this is the absolute one moment when Christ instituted it. Does it make sense? Yeah. Okay. Jeff? Um, with every, like, for instance, like with healing, does Jesus always, every time say like, and sin no more, or like give some sort of like action? Is that part of the sacraments? Um, okay, so uh, I don't, I can't speak authoritatively to everything that is in scripture with regard to whether he does that or not. I mean, the vast majority has says something like that after there's a healing. Um, okay, so, but I do want to point out something that your question brings to mind that's really important. The end of all of what Christ was doing is to, uh, to, rest- like to, bring us all back to the Father, to raise us up in new life, right? And so, um, yeah, in the sense that, like, a healing was ordered to the well-being not only of the body, but also to the soul, right? So when Christ heals, he didn't just heal because of the physical stuff, but because he wanted these people to be converted, to know him, to love him, and to follow him. Um, Lauren. Yeah, so I'm just thinking about the episode when Christ sends out the apostles. Yeah. Person who's not one of them, good, yeah, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, like we told him to stop, and then Christ said, Well, you explain my name, whoever is not against us is for us. So, yeah. I'm just curious, like, what are the implications for this when we think about like the dispensation of sacraments mm. by people who are in this chain of laying on hands? Good, yeah, so, um, that's an g- excellent question, and I want to, uh, if I can punt that to the holy orders one. I would like to punt that to the Holy Orders one. Um, let me see if I can give like a really short um, thing. Um, so there's certainly some things that everyone can do, right? Baptism, 
um, praying for people. Like there's, there's more than just, so God has bound himself to the sacraments, but he's not bound by them, right? So, um, so like if someone has a gift of healing, right, and they're not a priest, great, right? Like wonderful. Also the sacrament, right? Though, um, you know, so the sacrament's the primary thing because it, um, it was instituted by Christ, but as a, as a particular means of grace. So good question, excellent question. I think, I think it'll be more clear though if we have the context of holy orders to talk about it. Um, I saw two hands. Yes. I'm just curious about that sacrament. I know there's a lot in the Old Testament about going forth, two people, one flesh, being fruitful, all that stuff. Yeah. But I can't remember anything in like the Gospels of Jesus. Like he's never married someone, obviously. But I mean, has he? Did he preach about matrimony? His first miracle was at a marriage. And that scene is like this. So, so, I mean, yeah, as Christ sanctified, I mean, the, the liturgy uses these words, as Christ sanctified it and gave joy to the bride and groom, at, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. but um, So also he brings joy to every Christian marriage. Um, so that would be one thing. Also, I mean, it's clear from like the letter to the Ephesians, um, literally the word that Paul uses is the word that the Eastern church uses. It's still to this day for sacrament when he says in Ephesians 5, I speak of a great mystery. Mysterion is the Greek right there. That's what the Eastern Church still uses for to to say sacrament. In the Western Church, that that word got translated into sacramentum for a variety of philological reasons, um, which does uh, kind of like point to some some something some other aspect of it. But yeah, so yeah. Uh, okay, good. So it's instituted by Christ, um, and um, entrusted to the Church, right? And then okay. We've we've talked about all these kind of things, right? We got the form, we got the material stuff, we got the the insta- the efficient cause, which is Christ. We've got um, right, the um, the the form, the formal cause, right? The material cause, and then what's it for, right? What's what are sacraments for? Well, for divine life, right? That's what a sacrament. Every sacrament points you to divine life. Um, this participation in divine life that we receive through the sacraments, though not only through the sacraments, is called grace. In particular, uh, the grace we receive is called sanctifying grace, or grace that makes pleasing, right? Sanctifying grace, right? You think about um, that word sanctify, make holy. Um, so it's grace that makes you holy, right? Makes you set apart. Makes you a son or daughter of God. Um, so if you, could someone uh, open up a Bible, go to Second Peter 1.4, please. Um, uh, do you want us to read it out? Yeah, can you just read that verse, please? Uh, Simeon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received the faith of equal value to ours uh, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, May grace and peace be yours in abundance through knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has bestowed on us everything that makes for life and devotion through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and power. Through these, he has bestowed on us the precious and very great promises, so that through them you may come to share in the divine nature after escaping from the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, so you heard that, come to share in the divine nature. Partakers in the very nature of God. Father Jonathan touched on this um, a while back, right? Christ became man it, that man might become like God, right? God became man that man might become God, right? Um, so obviously you don't like, 
you don't you don't become God, right? Like you're not you're not like the the Almighty, and you have a beginning, um, right? But you become God, right? In the sense that, he, yeah, his yeah one by yeah. So what Christ has by nature, so this this is kind of a helpful little thing. What Christ has by nature, we have by grace. So we Christ by nature is the Son of the Father. We are the sons and daughters of the Father by grace. We're adopted into the family of God. Grace is then a superna- his own supernatural life that God pours into our soul. So we talked about um, the primary grace that we receive then through the sacraments. It's called sanctifying grace. Um, and this is contrasted with actual grace, right? So uh, this, this is a weird little Catholic theology terms, but they're actually helpful if you think about this. Um, actual grace is the help of God to perform some good action, right? So, for example, um, you coming here tonight is a good action which conduces towards your salvation. Um, and there, so it's a graced action, right? Like it, it actually was moved by God for you to come here. Um, and it can take some, the form of something interior, right? So an illumination of our understanding, for example. Lord, I really want to understand this, and I can't. I, I just, I'm, I'm poor, right? I'm poor, Lord, um, and, uh, and I, I can't understand it. Um, help me, right? And then you just, there's suddenly this kind of like revelation there. Um, or uh, a movement of our will even, right? Um, you know, sometimes, right, like there's been a sin in our life for a really, really long time and um, we're habitually struggling with that sin or something like that. And I lie a lot or, you know, I struggle with lust or I, I, I struggle with greed or, or whatever it is. Like, God can move your will in a way that is not violent to you, right? This is really important. When I, I think we talked about this at one point. I don't have a pen to illustrate this. this yeah, so um, I have a pen, right? Um, what's the purpose of a pen? To write, All right? So I have made the pen more the pen when I, when I actually actualized the use of the pen, right? It's fulfilling its telos. Did I do violence to the pen? Okay, good. I actually caused it to be that which it was supposed to be. God can move your will. In the same way, I can move the pen, right? You're free, 100% free, right? Because that's the type of thing you are. But God is not bound by, by our kind of human, human limits. So he, he could give you that grace. Yeah. So is it like, yep. is it, well, that's like God operating us for righteousness and communicating that righteousness to us and we cooperate with that? Could you, could, you, uh, could you explain a little bit more what you mean by those two words? Yeah. But the pen is free. But we're free. Mm-hmm. Right? So given that, that we are free, do we have to cooperate with like is, is Yeah, you yeah, you do have to cooperate with with, with yes, yes. So yeah. Like yeah, but I guess what I'm what I'm saying is there's a deep mystery here and I don't wanna I don't wanna get us too far off track, but there's a way in which God's providence extends even to your free actions. Right? Like he's not he doesn't force you to do something because that would be against your nature. This is where we get to the kind of uh, the end of the limit of, of language here, right? Like he doesn't force you to, to, to do anything against your will, but he could move you in, in, a, in a manner analogous, right, to the way I moved the pen that, because he, he wills your good, right? Like he causes you to be more that which you are. Sort of like a redirection. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, right? Like there's this kind of 
um, subtle movement. It's, it's maybe another analogy that, that could be helpful here is like, um, have you ever tried to make, uh, like, you've been taking care of like a little kid and you're like trying to get a little kid to do something which you know is really good for the little kid, but you're like, okay, all right, if you just eat this green bean, I will, I will like give you all of heaven and earth. Just eat the green bean, right? Um, right? Uh, you know, like, so, no, but, right, yes, yeah, so it's a little bit of, a, of an exaggeration there, but um, there's that certain sense in which um, I'm not imposing, like, you, really, you can't force a kid to eat. After, after a, I mean, like, you can't. Ask, ask any mother, um, right, who has a child, you can't force a kid to eat, but you can coax them to eat. You can, like, move them. You can persuade them. Um, and that might be another analogy about how God moves our will. Right? He does that in a far superior way than I could possibly do for my nephew, right? Like, um, uh, but it's not doing violence to my nephew Liam, who's three years old and refuses to eat things sometimes. When I say, Liam, hey, this is really good, like, look at this, this is wonderful, like, you should not just eat carbohydrates, you should eat some meat too, it'd be good, it'd be really good actually, no, no uncle will, uh, no, <laughs> dang it kid, uh, you know, uh, so, so that's the kind of thing um, that we're, we're kind of getting at, right, like it's not doing violence there, does that make sense, Gabe? It is ritually persuasive, but it's not it persuasive. Once again, we reach the, the end of language, right? Um, it's not like if God wills something, it happens, right? It doesn't just, it doesn't not happen. Uh, I, heard, I saw Jordan's hand. Yeah. So, so aren't questions like that, like, resolved through experience and obedience? Like, mm. for example, well, yeah, just like even that question, like, how does... How do our prayers and our behaviors come from God that we, we seem to be willing to? Well, you find out by willing those things, like start praying, and then you find, oh, this seems like God is willing me to pray, but I'm also choosing to pray. Yeah. Right? Like it's a it's a mystery that you're meant to experience. Not, I mean, not. I don't want to sound like I'm anti. No. No, no, you're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. You don't sound like that at all. Right? There is a, a mysterious aspect of this that you choose something, but it's a grace choice. Um, and, and the, those two things are not opposed, right? Like, like in baptism, like if you, you're, you think you're a Christian and you read, oh, I'm supposed to be baptized, well, then go do it and then or get it done and then you'll find out yeah. how the strong God hands you a choice. Yeah. No, that's very good. Or? Yeah. So there's something, I don't know, it's, it's kind of difficult that I'm sitting in. And it's, good. Maybe this is like best approach for the two part kind of question. So on the one hand, like, the efficacy of the sacraments are not bound by the righteousness of the priest or the person performing. Good. Right. Yep. So you can have like like a Graham Greene whiskey priest, right? Like performing yeah. mass. And, That's so good. Yeah. And yep. then like having the sacraments still retain like its ability to dispense grace. So I understand this, but on the other hand, like, isn't it kind of weird? Like, how do we keep from thinking of the sacraments as a kind of divine slot machine? Good. Where like yeah. anyone can reach the handle and just like dispense grace. Sure, yeah. No, that's a very good question. Um, how would we say that? Um, so the, the sacraments affect what they signify with, you know, right? Like, so that's the, the first part. But they also, um, their effects uh, could be 
impeded, right, from like actually bearing the fruit that, that they should bear in, in a particular person, um, either by the minister or by the recipient, actually, um, in a certain sense, particularly the recipient, right? Like, um, because if you, so for example, um, a great example of this is the Eucharist, right? Catholics, we go to Mass every Sunday and um, we receive the Eucharist, right? And sometimes I, I, um, sometimes I f- fear, right, that we're not, we're not considering enough what we're doing, right? Like we're just going up and receiving Jesus and I had, do, does our life conform with that communion that we're, we're signifying, right? St. Paul says, right, if you eat and drink the body and blood without discernment, you eat and drink the body and blood to your damnation, right? I mean, like, so there's a real... Um, this is, this is not like a new question, right? Um, St. Augustine, I think, said that, um, or John Chrysostom maybe, um, said something to the effect of like, in, in heaven, um, like, well, in, in uh, like, grace given, or a character that's given through baptism or confirmation or holy orders, or like the graces that are given, that God gives you, because I mean, we believe that he gives efficacious grace for all, he gives sufficient grace, excuse me, sufficient grace um, for all people to be saved if they, if they so desire, right? Um, those graces given will either redound to our glory because we cooperated with them or redound to our shame because we, we, we rejected this, this, this grace. So that's a great question, um, and it bears probably some more yeah. thinking and, and prayer, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the essential thing is, right, and maybe, maybe to return to Scripture would be a, a wise thing here, right? John chapter 6, and, and many of them left him, right? He, he gave this, this teaching about, and, and they said no, right? And there is a point um, where you, like, to return to Gabe's kind of line of questioning, right? Um, we really are free. Um, and so, uh, you know, think about, like the, uh, once I go again to go a little bit into the weeds here, but like those who are in heaven are in heaven because of God's gracious action in their life. And if there are any in hell, um, they're there because of their own free choice, right? Like, and, and, um, and grace is a mystery in, in that sense, right? It's a freely given gift. No one merited the initial grace of conversion. No one, right, caught, like you can't, you can't merit that. You, you can't, right? And that's, that's what um, sometimes people accuse Catholics of kind of like the works righteousness kind of idea. And it's just so far from that, like if you read what the church teaches about grace, because you, the initial grace of conversion, the fact that you come to know Jesus and you're, you're moved to know him, like to follow after him and to be baptized, you can't earn it, right? This class that we're doing right here is not like a, Okay, you got to do these prerequisites before you get baptized, so that you know you can earn your sacrament, right? No, no, it's it's a drawing of desire, right? Like the Lord is placing in your heart this desire and and, and kind of persuading you and moving you by um, His own ways. Okay, well, it's now eight o'clock. Um, I should have known we'd never get through this. Um, Okay, let's just, I just want to, yeah, I'm almost done with sacraments, so let me just, let me power through for five minutes here. And, uh, okay, so we talked about actual grace. Sanctifying grace is a habitual um, 
the habitual grace, right? So it's the life of God poured into our soul. When we talk about being in the state of grace as Catholics, that's what we mean, right? So to say I'm in a state of grace means um, I, I'm directed towards God as my final end. That's like the simplest way to, to say it. I love God all, like my will is pointed towards him, right? Um, that's, that's what sanctifying grace is. Um, so every sacrament confers grace. Every sacrament confers grace. And um, particularly, it's ordered to salvation. Thus, it all, they all confer sanctifying grace. But they all do that in a, in a slightly, under a slightly different mode, right? A slightly different means. Um, we'll examine each one of those um, throughout the, the, um, through the rest of the, the lessons there. Um, three of them also confer a character. Um, that's baptism, confirmation, and holy orders, um, which places a permanent spiritual mark on the soul. Okay, uh, now the church has always said that uh, these sacraments are, are um, understood to be the actions now of, of Christ in the world, who, um, but by the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. In the liturgy, the Holy Spirit is the artisan of God's masterpieces. That's all of you, right, and me, right, the sacraments of the new covenant, right, they, which make, make um, us holy, right? The desire and work of the Spirit in the heart of the church is that we may live from the life of the risen Christ, right? Just as the Spirit, Christ was raised by the Spirit, um, so also we are to live that life of the risen Christ. When the Spirit encounters us in us, the response of faith, which he has aroused in us, he brings about genuine cooperation. This is... Uh, most evidently seen perhaps in like Romans 8, if you want a kind of a biblical um, place to look. The Spirit himself, we do not know how to pray as we ought, but rather the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Um, um, and uh, through it, the liturgy becomes the common work of the Holy Spirit and the church. We live in the, like, in the, in the Spirit, right? Like this, it, the Spirit makes the church to be the church. This is why in the creed, it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, Right? Spoke through the prophets, et cetera, et cetera. And then the next thing is, and then one holy Catholic and apostolic church, right? It's like in the section of the Holy Spirit. If you look at the creed, it's divided into, into three main sections. You've got God the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and in that is the church. Okay, um, the sacraments are an encounter, once again, with the living Lord. And he reaches out to us um, in these ways because he's no longer... Uh, in human form here, right? Like he's not walking around on the earth, um, but he's ascended and is at the right hand of the Father. So to perpetuate his incarnation, Christ makes his presence among us actively visible and tangible, hearable, right? All of those things um, in our lives. The powers, the sacraments, are the powers which flow forth from the body of Christ. Um, St. Leo says it maybe the best, and this is maybe where we'll end right now. Um, what was in Christ visible has passed into his mysteries. Right? So what Christ did on earth has passed into these mysteries, which we call the sacraments. Okay? So uh, that's where we'll leave it today. Uh, happy to answer questions individually. I don't want to uh, pray us out. So if you need to leave, you can get out of here. Um, and, uh, and then uh, we'll see you all after Christmas. Um, well, I hope you'll, if you're around, please come to Christmas. Right? Like we got mass all over the place, uh, four, six, eight. Midnight, uh, everything but uh, like 7.30, 9.30, noon, 1.45, 3.30 on Christmas Day. No 5.30 p.m. Mass on, on Christmas Day. I'm going to be sleeping. Um, and, then, uh, and then I'll see you the next day on Sunday for the Feast of the Holy Family. 
We got, uh, this is a cool opportunity. If you want to ring in the New Year's with us uh, in adoration, come at 11 p.m. on uh, December 31st. We're going to have Mass, and then we're going to do adoration. It's a tradition in the church that you end the year by singing a Te Deum, which is like a hymn of thanksgiving to God, and you begin the new year by singing um, a Veni Creator Spiritus, which is something you guys all know about, right? Because um, it's like a, a come Holy Spirit and, and teach us. So come do that. Um, yeah. Um, yes, Victor. Oh, yeah, Parish Party. Yeah. I'd like to invite anybody here to come on December 18th, this Saturday, um, after 6.30. We'll be having a, a meal of ham. <laughs> and anybody wants to bring something extra, like a, a side dish or a dessert, can do that. So you're invited to come to that. We'll be uh, meeting the, in the bishop's hall. So we'll, we'll have all, anybody wants to come to that. Yeah. It's going to be sweet. <laughs> all right. Any other announcements? Anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Please sign in. All right. Very good. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, um, in this, these final weeks of Advent, we um, come before you and we recognize your presence among us, in our brothers and sisters, um, in the liturgy of the church, um, in your sacraments. And we thank you so much for becoming man that um, we might know you. And um, it, we thank you, Lord, for that condescension, right, by which we know you and uh, are able to encounter you, that by seeing things visible, we might be caught up into things invisible into your love and be made partakers in the very divine nature which you share with your Father. Um, help us always to live in this way and uh, to prepare well for the sacraments that we will receive. Um, we, uh, uh, in a special way, today we lift up our sister Lauren as she enters the church this coming Sunday. Um, thank you for the graces in her life and ask you to fill her with abundant graces going forward. Um, we make these prayers um, through the intercession of the one who knew so well how to say yes to your plans in our lives um, as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.